0: Well thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for sending that in. It's beautiful uh, piece and it's beautiful. It's lovely to hear the voices of the singers from CET and we trusted everyone as well. Thank you for sending in your piece. Um, we're going to turn to the scriptures now and we're going to look at part two of our study on all things, everything and anything. All things, everything and anything. Now without without turning to the first verse let me just read it to you for we spent most of our morning last week on it and it was in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. The Lord Jesus says with men this is impossible. With God all things are possible. And that was our theme last week. All things are possible. And then we look at our second scripture, our second scripture is in Job 42 and verse 2. If you would like to turn with me to Job 42. Verse 2, Job is speaking to the Lord and he says, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Job says to the Lord, I know thou canst do everything and then let me just say it without looking again for we won't this will be our uh, another study genesis 18 and verse 14 genesis 18 and 14 the lord is speaking and he says is anything too hard for the lord is anything too hard for the lord let us pray father take your word and use it for your own glory it's your word And we pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that people would receive it with gladness. Lord, it are those who need challenge, then challenge. Those who, uh, Lord, need convicted, then convict. And those whom you deem fit, Lord, to be drawn by it, then draw. Uh, Lord, would you instruct us in it and teach us in it. And Lord, do your will whatever that may be in our hearts. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. So all things, everything, and anything. Last week we looked at the greatest impossibility. I want you to note that. If you're taking notes, write it down. It was in Matthew 19 and in verse 26. Remember, there was a rich young man comes saying, Master, what... Good master, what good thing must I do to inherit the kingdom of God or to inherit eternal life in this one, he says. And the Lord gives him six commandments, which were the latter six, if you want, covered, which were horizontal between man and man. And when he says, all these of I kept my you thought the Lord then gave him the first four by going straight to the heart. He says, sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. And how does that give the first four commandments? Well, the first commandment, when the Lord Jesus was asked, which is the first and great commandment, what did he say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbours thyself. So here is the second, is the last six commandments between man and man. And the first four are between God and man. They are vertical, as it were, between God and man. And Jesus, after he gives it between man and man, his declar- this young man's declaration was, I've kept them. So then the Lord Jesus says, sell your goods, give to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. And that means, do you, do you love me more than everything else? So loving him first, loving him above all others, above all things and above all else and he went away sad for he had much goods and then the, the disciple says if he can't be saved remember the Jews thought riches proved that it was a blessing of God and surely he was going to be in God's heaven. Surely if he can't be saved then who can be saved was their question and the Lord Jesus says with men this is impossible. There's the great impossibility that man can not save himself. That's the great impossibility. Man cannot save himself but with God all things are possible. What's Jesus saying? The master is saying man has no way or chance or hope of saving himself on his own merit but if God gets involved. In other words it takes a sovereign move of the sovereign God upon the heart of a man and woman or they'll never be saved. That's it in a nutshell. And so He says, but with God, all things are possible. We also looked at some other all things last week. So that was Jesus' proclamation. With God, all things are possible. A proclamation. Now today, secondly, we're going to look at Job's exclamation. His exclamation. I know, he says, that thou canst do everything and that no thought Can be withholding from thee. He exclaims it. I know. You know. Notice. So he's proclaiming this. If you remember last week. We told you. The first one. As we've explained. Is to do with. Salvation. This one here. This proclamation of Job. Is to do with. Revelation. Revelation. We may take two weeks at this one of Job. Because there's a lot in it. But here it speaks of. Revelation. Revelation. So notice, I know there's his revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 42. We're near the end of the book of Job. We're near the end of his book. And revelation comes. This is the man who has lost everything. So who is Job calling out to? He's calling out to the Lord. Verse 1 tells us that then Job answered the Lord and said, He's calling out to God. Or if you want, he's calling out to Yahweh. He's calling out to the one true living God. In fact, he calls God the Almighty. No less than 31 times. The Almighty in the book of Job, 31 times. And God is referred to the Almighty or Shaddai. Shaddai. Here, Job is calling out to the absolute and universal sovereign. Job is calling out to the all ruling omnipotent. Omniscient. Omnipresent God. He is in control. Complete control. He is the sovereign creator and keeper. The maker and the sustainer of all things. And here Job exclaims or he he, he, he cries out to him, an exclamation, I know, there's his revelation of who he is. That's Job's revelation, that's what we need, revelation of God. We need revelation of Christ and his cross work and, him, uh, uh, and what he did at Calvary for us. We need revelation of who we are, first of all, dead in our trespasses and our sins, because we think we're all okay. But we need revelation of the Savior. We need revelation of the power of the blood. We need revelation through the Spirit of God. And Job here, he exclaims, I know thy canst do all things. So he's got revelation to be able to call this out. Many times in Scripture, the Almighty or Shaddai is referred to as El Shaddai. El means God. And Shaddai then means God. Our God is strong controller. Notice here, Shaddai means God is all sufficient. So God who is the controller is the all sufficient one. God who is the controller is the all sufficient one. And Job cries out and he exclaims to the one who nourishes. That's what it means. He nourishes us. He cries out to him. I know that thou canst do everything. Everything. The word here to know to know is the word yada. It means to ascertain by saying. So notice this. To ascertain by saying. It means to perceive. And it means to come to a place of learning. So Job in the midst of his trial. Job in the midst of his darkness. Of his depression and his despair. Job receives an illumination. He, has an, uh, he ascertains by seeing and he has a perception of who God is. He comes to a place of spiritual learning, of spiritual learning, enlightenment, quickening. And the light comes on as it were in the mind, the heart and the soul of Job. I know that thou can't do everything. The story of Job is that he was rich. He was successful. He was a man who suddenly finds then he is in loss of everything. Notice he loses everything. He loses everything. He lost his livestock, his oxen, his sheep, and his camels. Then worst of all, he has his 10 children and they die he has seven sons and he has three daughters. And you might say, well, how do we know these things? Well, turn to Job chapter 1. And we find at the beginning of Job chapter 1, and let your eye run down to his first two. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Verse 3 his substance was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen. Notice also when 500 she asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Here's the greatest of all of the men of the east. And he loses everything. This man has power in the gate of the city as it were. In other words, in the council. This man has power among the councillors or the elders of the peoples and their tribes. Notice here. And it was so when their, pardon me, verse 4, and his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Notice the sons call the sisters and they come and have a party. They come to eat and to drink. The idea is here, they're eating and drinking and getting drunk, having a party. Friend, I want to tell you something, that the devil knows where the party is. Because we find that the devil blows down the house, wrecks the house, and we find that the sons and the daughters die in it. You know, the devil doesn't love you. The devil would love you to feel we're having a great time. Why would the preacher try and disrupt that, disturb that, and make us feel bad about that? But the thing about it is, is that the devil wants to do that. He wants you to feel secured in that alcohol, drugs, or partying, or whatever, in the worldly things of the flesh. He wants you to feel like that. I was like that. He wanted to keep me like that. And he brought me to, to, my, to, to almost to death and destruction in my life. And who knows when the day would come that that would happen for you. And yet God is sending forth a word. He's sending forth the word to you now. Will you have some knowledge and understanding that the devil knows where the party is because the devil wants to instigate it that you might be found in his clutches, that you might be even addicted to all of these vices and things that the world has to offer you. Young people are tragically, tragically finding themselves more and more getting into a party drug lifestyle. And the devil loves to have it so that you would be like that. Reminds me of Daniel chapter 5. And Belshazzar the king in Babylon Babylon is having a feast. And they take out the, uh, the, 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 the instruments as it were. The artifacts of the temple. Uh, that is of the Lord that they had desecrated. And they have this wild party. And the hand of God came upon the wall. And wrote on the plaster of the wall. and It really means. I hast been weighed in the balances. And I have found wanting. And if God weighed you in the balances. To, uh, this day. This morning. Or whenever you watch this. Would you be found wanting? That is would you be found. Unrighteous in your sin. Would you be found. Not right with God. Lost. Notice here. The devil knows where the party is. So does God. So God can save you from this and bring you unto glory. Job chapter 2, Job loses his health. So everything is going bad for Job. Everything is going wrong for Job. Job chapter 2, and it says in verse 7, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his head, and he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Look at verse nine. Then said his wife unto him, "Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die." His wife wasn't being any comfort or encouragement to him, and here he's trying to keep his integrity, for he used to sacrifice unto the Lord. And notice this. He replies to her in verse 10. Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Then comes his three friends. Notice here, Job loses his health. He's lost everything. The man is in a terrible condition and who can blame him after the loss of his children? Who can blame him after everything has gone from him? Everything's been demolished and desecrated and he just feels at loss with his health. He's probably in agony and he's itching and he's got sore boils all over him and he gets broken pottery with sharp edges and he's scraping the skin of himself, probably bleeding and, uh, pardon the term, but pus coming out of it. And, uh, and he's a terrible state, and he sits in dust and ashes, sign of mourning, coming man, coming out of the ashes, and so to ashes man will return that the Lord said unto Adam. And the thing about this is, is when man comes out of the ashes, it shows us that we are fully depraved in our nature until God changes us. And to ash we will return. And at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, those who are saved, that same ash will be raised from the ground again. And it will be glorified to be like unto him. And no longer will we return unto ash. Uh, uh, We will have eternal life, an everlasting life, and a glorified body like Christ. Notice his three friends come. or Bildad and Zophar and all they do is make things worse sometimes that happens sometimes people come and like to point out your faults especially at your weakest and so does the devil in fact Eliaphas we're told he is a Temanite and Teman was a place of Esau so Eliaphas was from Edom or Esau Esau was the one who would have been the one who would reject the things of God. Notice here, all along this time, Job Job is living with horrific things happening. And that Edomite mindset is still in the world today. That Edomite mindset of rejecting the things of God, rejecting the Christ of God, rejecting the blood of the Lamb, Rejecting the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, rejecting his deity, rejecting his glory, rejecting his crosswork, rejecting Christ in his fullness. That Edomite mentality, the synagogue of Satan, is still a rife in our very world and planetary system today. And notice this: so Eliaphas. Bildad and Zophar. Those are just things, by the way, I haven't time to go into all of these. Um, Bildad, for example, would have come f- probably from a life with Abraham and Keturah, uh, his generations down that way. Let's go on. They point out Job's faults. They tell him how great a sinner Job is. When we know that's not true, the Lord said he was perfect in the sense he was upright. No one was perfect. It means upright her he, he shunned evil, and he sacrificed unto the Lord. But this is what they're telling him. This is happening to you because you're evil, Job, because you've sinned. Oh, and they start to bring him down. Notice, they tell him how great a sinner he is, and they become part of the problem rather than part of the cure. Job's physical, Job's spiritual, and Job's mental state is greatly deteriorating. Now, notice what he says in the book of Job as we flick through some verses. It's a fantastic book. Job chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, he says, Oh, that my grief were thoroughly wed, and my calamity laid in the balances together. Verse 3, for now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Here's what Job is saying. He's saying, oh, that I could actually have what has happened to me, how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and where, what my condition is, where I am at this point in time, if it could be actually appreciated by you, he says. None of his three friends appreciated what he was going through. Nobody could understand the very feelings of his heart. No one could understand with a turmoil of his mind. No one could understand the weakness in his body. No one could understand as it were, the condition of his soul because it was reaching deep down into him, and even the loss that was all around him. Job says, like the ice I sit in, that's all I'm worth, and that's all I am. And listen, here Job is saying, if you were to take the ice pardon me, the sand of the seashore. Now you think of the sand in the sea, and you have especially wet sand and you get a bucket full. You can hardly carry that bucket with the weight of that bucket. And you imagine the sand that's in all of the shores and you put it in the balances. I would not like to try and add up what that would be, but we can tell you this, it would be immeasurable and it would be unweighable because it would be so heavy. Unfathomable is is, is what's happening to Job at this time. And Job is saying, no one, Not one person can understand my thoughts, my feelings, my pain. Oh, if it could just be actually appreciated. In Job chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, it says, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day that he was even born. Notice, Job 3 verse 1. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day his day. And Job spake and said, let the day perish wherein I was born, and that in night in which was said there was a man child received. Let that day be darkness, let that God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it, let darkness and the shadow of death stain it, let, it, let a cloud dwell upon it, and let the blackness of the day terrify it. Job is saying I wish I was never born. Now, this is, a, this is a, a dangerous condition for Job. This is a dangerous condition. I want to be careful of what I say. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to hear what the Lord is saying. Job was at a, part, a point in time where he wished he was never born, coming to the place of wishing he was dead. Now, there's people and they get to these places and points where none can understand you. None can know what they're thinking. Where you feel none can help you. There's always people who have walked in your shoes for parts of these things. And you for other people. Sometimes it's so easy to feel alone. To feel that there's none with you. That none can weigh your heart's ache. That none can understand. And if you feel like that, there is always help. There is always others who can understand the part. But listen, God is the only one that knows. And he's all you really need to know because by the time we're finished in Job, he says, I know thy canst do everything. And that no thought is withholding from you. So God knows your very thoughts. God knows your heart. God knows your pain. God knows your suffering. And God knows everything you're going through. Notice he says here, let, in verse 3, let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said there is a man-child conceived. But God had Job for a purpose. God had Job here for a reason. Job, we're reading about you today. today. We're reading about you right now. There have been countless people millions, more, millions upon millions throughout the years upon millions who have read the book of Job and have drawn strength from it and encouragement and blessing that someone has actually been through what they have been through and felt what they have felt and experienced what they have experienced to the depths of their heart and their mind and the blackness and the darkness that comes sometimes into the man and the woman's mind and soul. And realise there is hope because Christ is their hope. Who was Job speaking to? He was speaking to Jesus. He was speaking to the Lord. And Jesus knows your every trouble. And notice here, he says, I wish I was never born. As the book goes on, Job 23 and verse 2, such a time of suffering here for Job Time of experience for Job. Job 23 and verse 2, he says, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Notice, even today. Even today. And maybe you've woke up and you've gone, Here we go. Even today, the morning is here. Even today, the trouble has come. Even today, the heartache is with me. Even today... I'm so burdened. Even today, I'm worried. I'm depressed. I'm frightened. Even today, I feel no hope. Even today, I can't see help. Even today, even today. Job said that. Yet he went from day to day to take no thought for the morrow. The Lord Jesus asks us, why take ye thought for the morrow? He tells us that God looks after the sparrow in flight. And he tells us your hairs of your head are numbered. He tells us that you're worth more than many sparrows. Tells us he clothes the the grass of the field and that uh, the lily is more arrayed with beauty than even Solomon and all his riches. And he says that your father knows you more than every one of those flowers of the field. than every blade of grass, he knows you. I want you to see where you can get it into your, your mind and heart, the revelation of God if you don't know him. I know Thou canst do everything. You can do everything, Lord, and you know where I am. There's your hope, there's your help. He says here, Oh, that my grief were thoroughly wed in chapter six. Actually appreciated. He says, Let the day in which I perish in which I was born, in chapter three, in chapter twenty three, says, Even today is my grief, my pardon me, my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. And words, that stroke oh, that's happened to me, it's heavier than even I can speak. My groaning of my heart, the groaning of my spirit, the groaning of my of my inner man, the groaning of my being, he says it's even, even heavier than the very stroke that I have. Notice Job is not complaining, Job is praying. Sounds like complaining. He, oh yeah, he may be complaining in the sense where he's telling friends. But his heart, his spirit is praying unto God because he's coming to a point, he's coming to a place, and he's coming to a position of realization that God is the only one who can help him. That God is the only one that can, as the great impossibility of salvation in, in, in our first part, With God, all things are possible. Here he realizes that God is the only one that can bring that revelation. He's bringing it to Job. The revelation of God is coming. And he's saying, Job, I'm your help. I'm your strength. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. I'm the one who can lift you up. I'm the lifter up of your head. I go before you and I'm behind you. I'm underneath you and around about you. Job, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you even under the end of the age. And that's what's happening. Job is receiving revelation till he says, I know that thou canst do everything. Notice here, Job's pain and heartache, his sorrow were heavy, unending, and indescribable. Here's the point of this. I remember, let me give you an illustration. There was a man, he was a, a politician, and I happened to catch him looking at, watching him on a program and he suffers, he says, every day is a battle with depression. He's a retired politician. And it was strange, it might seem little, but it was a victory for him and that's what helped him through the day. He lie, he, we lie in bed and there's the curtains and the, uh, the, the, the pull cord, the draw cord of the curtain comes down. And as he watches it, he's gearing his mind up. He's gearing his mind up. If I can get to the curtain and pull that curtain. For some reason, it was the victory to him that as the curtains would open, the light would come in. He would say, as day would, would come through the, 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 the window into my room, he says, my first step was pull the draw of the curtain. And when I pulled the drawstring of the curtain... Then I know I'll get through the rest of the day. It was a fight and a battle for him. But he gets himself up and he struggles. And as he gets to that curtain, he pulls it. And as the curtains open, the light comes in. He has it fixed in his mind. I've won the battle. I'm out of my bed. I've won this battle. I can go on with the rest of the day. Job is saying, my complaint even today. Friend, maybe you've got that. Come on, set a small target. Lord, I'm trusting you. When I get out of bed, I'll put my feet on the floor. And if I feel the weight upon my feet, what a blessing. I've already opened my eyes and thank you for my sight. There's people without sight, but they have other great attributes about them. Lord, thank you for my sight or thank you for this attribute. You know, Lord, I'm coming. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to make the breakfast this morning. I'm going to eat today. I'm going to do well today. I'm starting to have a, a more of a positive mindset where we're trusting in the Lord to move on in these things. So we can see Job is beaten, powerless, and Job is lost. In our reading in Job 42 and verse 2, Job explains He sees, he's enlightened, he's illuminated. He realizes in his despair, he realizes in his hour of need that he is weak, he's human flesh and blood and bone. He needs a savior, he needs a deliverer, he needs a champion, he needs a captain, he needs a rescuer. Someone greater, someone stronger, someone bigger, someone better. Someone able. And what does he do? He turns his attention off himself for that moment to see who he is. He knows who he is. He's caught who he is. And with revelation, he looks to God. He looks to the Lord. He looks to the Almighty. And he cries with that revelation, I know thou canst do everything. Job had lost everything. And now in this revelation, he realizes his everything is in the Lord. I want to say it again. Job had lost everything. And then with the revelation, he realizes his everything is in the Lord. His health, his strength, his hope, his healing is in the Lord. His salvation, his restoration, uh his everything <clears throat> is in the Lord. Job has found here the Lord Jehovah the Almighty. He has found he is the El Shaddai. El Shaddai. He is the great one. He's the Nurse in his sickness. He's the nourisher in his weakness. And he's the navigator in his life. He can turn the tide and change the situation. And even as Isaiah 61 and verse 3 says, that he gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the ice that Job was sitting in, God starts to give him beauty for it. He starts to see the beauty of the Lord. The Lord starts to, as it were, clothe him with strength. Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. He starts to draw near by the Spirit. He starts to anoint him with that fresh oil, and he starts to take him from this, uh, this mourning, the mourning of his heart, the mourning of his loss, and he starts to comfort him. The oil of joy until joy comes. You know, some people who are in mourning find it that, that if they have joy, they feel guilty for it. Friend, I want to tell you, I, I understand that. I've had many deaths. My whole family, except my my, my brother, ha, have died, and I've felt it. I've known it. I've experienced it. I've come through it, and that that time when joy first comes or that survivor guilt may come and why am I joyful when they're in the grave or they have died or something's happened and I understand that but you get to the place where then you rejoice that you're blessed you're living you're the living to praise him you're alive and you're his oil of joy for mourning he gives a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the Lord Jesus reads this Isaiah 61 scroll when he goes into the synagogue and Luke chapter 4 verse 18 it says and the Lord Jesus reads the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised notice Jesus had come to preach to heal to deliver to set at liberty. And he, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's what he does for those who place their full trust in him. Job realizes this in Job 42 and verse 2. And he says to the Lord, I know thou canst do everything. So in Matthew 19, 26, with God all things are possible. And remember in, with God all things are possible. The Greek writer said, In the presence of God, all things are possible. In his presence, things change. In his presence, things are different. In his presence, the weak are strengthened. In his presence, the sick are healed. Job's, I know. Job's, his enlightenment comes when the felt, the manifest, and the tangible presence of God comes into his situation in life. In other words, the face of God looked at him when the presence of God manifests to him. In Job chapter 38, 39, and 40, God starts to say, Were you there? Let me just skip through these. I would, I would advise you to read them. They're powerful. Job 38, verse 4. Where was thou when they led, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Job 38 and verse 12. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know its place? Job 39 verse 1. The Lord says, Knowest thou the time when the wild goats of the rock bring forth or canst thou, canst thou mark when the hinds do calve. Job 39 verse 19 he says. Hast thou given the horse strength? Verse 26. Dost the hawk fly by thy wisdom? Job tw- 39 verse 27. "Doth the eagle mount up at thy command? In other words Job can you do this? Job were you there at that time? Job can you change these matters? Job can you accomplish these things, and Job realizes, no, I can't, Lord. I know that I can't do everything. I know you can do it. Listen, friend, here's what I want you to see as well. In part one, we looked at the great impossibility with man. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. We looked at the great impossibility of man. He is fully depraved in his nature, meaning he cannot save himself. The Greek writer says it means with man, impossible. Salvation, impossible. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter the church. Doesn't matter the ritual, impossible. With God, all things are possible. Now notice this. Part one was the great impossibility. And I want to link it with this great impossibility too. As much as Job wasn't there at the time of creation neither were you or I there at the time of Christ's crucifixion. And as it was impossible with Job to command the sun or to build the universe or to cause the animals to give birth in timely manner or the birds to fly and design their wing. So is the impossibility even greater for Job to rescue himself. Were you there, Job? Can you do these things, Job? Have you done these things, Job? He says, no, as he sits in dust and ashes. The great impossibility to Job, even greater, you and I cannot save ourselves. So even greater is our impossibility to save ourselves. God sovereignly must move. Must regenerate. Must by his Holy Spirit draw to the cross the man and woman. Must draw you and save you. Job, here's your impossibility. Can you do it? He says, No. No. With God, all things are possible. But Job then says, I know. Thy can't do all things. And maybe you're not saved. You could say, if you realize I can't save myself and I need saved. I know. Thy can't do everything. Lord, I know you can do everything. So I'm finishing with this. The Lord mentions two beasts to Job Leviathan and Bohemoth. Leviathan and Bohemoth. And people have tried to explain what they are theologians and people with greater minds than I have. But I, in the Lord's will, next. Lord's Day morning, I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to show you what I believe, what I think. I believe there's more to this that brings it right to this day. Right to this day. And you'll see, Lord, I know that I can do all things. How it will affect us not only in salvation, but in the world, the present era that we're living in. So. Next Lord's Day morning, pray for me. Pray about it and come on with your pen and paper, your notebook and your Bible and let's see what God will do. I know that I can do all things. I are everything. I know that I can't do everything. If you're not well this morning, Lord, you can heal me. You're sick this morning, Lord, you can make me better. You're not saved this morning. You realize you cannot save yourself. I know all things are possible with you. I know you can do everything. Will you save me? Will you save me? That son, daughters away in the world. Lord, I know you can do everything. Will you save them? Will you speak to them? Nothing. Too hard for the Lord. And that's another one for another time. May God bless his word to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, take your word and uh, Lord, wing it to the hearts and encourage your people and glorify your name. For Jesus' sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. So in the Lord's will, in the Lord's will, we'll see you this evening. Tarkingtons on the Martin Road in Portadown. We want to start Sharply at 6. So will you come along and get in early? And we're trusting. uh, Last week it was full car park. But we've looked at aerial shots. And we can get more people. And there's a bit more ground. We can move on. So we'll invite friends. And let them know about it. Get them out. And bring the unsaved. If you can get them out in their car. And come out. And look. God saved two souls last week. As we said. And we're looking for God to save others. They're coming from all over Northern Ireland. They've been driving, so listen, come out and don't be thinking, well, there's not room. We'll make room. There will be room. So God bless you, and come out at 6 p.m. tonight and we'll see you there for his glory. Amen. God bless.